Hello, Esther Deborah here, and this is Agape Love. Love is here. This is one of the many video sections of the ministry of Pastor Deborah, helping people the Lord's way. Please enjoy the video, and we look forward to you coming again. Pastor Deborah hopes you enjoy hearing about how she has learned. How to help people the Lord's way and have her many wonderful spiritual experiences throughout many, many years of helping people. Welcome again to a video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. This is Pastor Deb. Love always and forever. Hello, Pastor Deborah here. I'm once again sitting at my door. And this is another global tele-ministry video. And we are still in Isaiah 61, as you can see on the board. We're still in verse 8. I didn't realize how much spiritual teaching this one verse had for us. Oh, yes, my ushers are telling me to kind of just wait a few minutes because many people are still coming here to the garden they're still coming and they're sitting outside my window in the spirit in some nations they are asleep and it is their spirit and their dreams that they're coming others are quite awake and they're having to multitask some of them are at work they're doing the politics of a nation. Or maybe they're making food and teaching children. Did you know that we humans are so special? We can be in two places at once. Yeah. Our physical bodies can be one place, while our spirits are someplace else. Wow. Can you believe it? We are such marvelous marvelous creatures it's just amazing once you get to know that a lot of people in the occult they know that it's called astro travel they have to work to figure out how to do it pastor deborah never did she uses the gift of the holy spirit all children all humans leave their body sometimes are forced when we're children due to abuse it's a way of escape out of the trauma and the fear I actually left my body when I was about four or five years old I was in a military hospital and I was having my tonsils out and it wasn't a very nice atmosphere for children at the time I was very afraid. I can remember jumping up off some table. I looked back and there was my body with some doctors in this sterile, cold room. And I was running out of the room and down the hallway. I used to see this vision for years. I had nobody to talk to about it. I had no books to read. I learned many years later what it was. It was a gift. The great creator that had saved me had given to me and to all humanity's spirits 
so that when a situation was so fearful or abusive or frightening, the little spirit would leave its physical body, run, hide. Maybe it could just go into a trance, go off into some other worlds. And sometimes it was so bad, it would split itself, create another person within itself through its thinking and the powers of the spirit to go through the trauma or the abuse or the surgery. Sometimes that was the only way, a defense. Even today in the mental health world, they know that disassociation is a defense mechanism of the soul. They don't know it's all, it was powered by the spirit to help themselves survive. Oh, I'm getting the signal now from the ushers that everybody's here. They'll have them. The greeters will greet others that come. Everybody's sitting down. Got their, Are they all been given? Yes. Are they wearing masks? No, your spirit doesn't have to wear a mask. It, it doesn't breathe the same air. And it is not affected by the biological germs and viruses. There's other viruses that affect it. But here in the garden... That COVID virus, all of those diseases of the physical body, they are not here. They are not affecting your spirit. Right now, your spirit is free of that. But when you go back and you get into your physical body, the spirit will feel the effects of two worlds. It will feel the effects of being here with me. It will feel peaceful, maybe strengthened. It will be able to see better. And when it looks and feels from the soul and the physical body, the things of that world, the pressures, the fear, the aches and pains of the biological body, the spirit will feel them. But we hope to put a barrier between you two. Mm Mm-hmm keep the spirit and the soul separate so to speak divorce you cut the ties so that your spirit is not affected by what is going on in the biological body or in the soul and you remain at a distance from it and not affected by it that's our goals okay everybody's got their paper their pencils your iPads, whatever you use to take notes. And let's begin. First, we'll use some prayer. Then we're going to have a couple of scriptures. Then we will get into Isaiah 61, verse 8. And I believe we're starting part 7. Let's pray. Father, you have called and wooed these human spirits from all over the world for only you can do that you have drawn them to yourself here that they may hear and see your presence and your glory it is your work that you are doing for these are your precious 
spirits that you want to love on, get to know better, and reconnect with. Father, we ask that you help them to spiritually hear and see and perceive things they may not have heard of. Maybe they don't understand, but help them. And when they get back in their physical bodies, Father, I ask that you help to bring to their remembrance what they have heard and that they came from you, the heart of agape love, for them. Amen. You know me, if some of you don't, Pastor Deborah always likes to start off with scriptures, words to help guide us into what we're fixing to do. So let's, we're going to, the verse we're working on, verse 8, it says, And I will direct their work in truth. It's sort of the third little section of verse 8. We've already been through the first one. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. And I love judgment for injustice. We've already been through those two little sections. We have one more little section after this when we finish up about the everlasting covenant and agreements. Oh, that's an exciting part. This part is exciting if you look at it from sort of Pastor Deborah's viewpoint. Sometimes the directing is not good. Sometimes it's frustrating. You get off on the wrong path. You don't understand what you're doing, where you're going. But you have to learn how to trust God. Even when the attacks come, even when bad things are happening, when you don't understand, you have to trust Him. He's got your best interest and His at His heart. Now, If you're not one of his children yet, he can still work through your circumstances. He may not change them. He may not bring blessings to you, food, water, stop the wars. Because he's not in control and working with those people in their hearts and souls. They're not listening to him. He has no relationship to them. So they're operating out of their soul and their darkened soul and spirit. And they may not ever stop fighting. And you may die an earthly death and your spirit, which is here now, will leave it. But at least your spirit will have some knowledge. You won't be afraid of death if it does come. You'll pray for your enemies, those that are fighting, always stealing from you. And your heart will be at peace. Because there is more. Our earthly travels and our earthly adventure is but a short time. There's going to be a new earth, a new body. All this war and lack and curses and no food, no shelter. It's all going to end. But on this part of the road and journey, it may not. But you can learn to have hope, not be afraid of death. 
But if it is not your time, you can speak to death. Death is a spirit. It is a law. And you can decree and declare against it if you're one of these this God's children. That death cannot have you. You are not finished with your purposes yet. But I have worked with children who at four and five were dying. And they came to me in the spirit and asked me if they could go. There was no hope for them. And I said yes. They asked me if their job that they were come here to do was done. I said yes. So they closed their little eyes, which were already closed. They were sort of in a coma, sort of out of it. And they took off. Oh, they didn't go alone. You'll never go alone. There'll always be a waiting angel there. Not an ancestor. Not a force. But a heavenly angel. Take your hand and walk with you. To the high mountain. To the place where your original creator is. And who's waiting for you to meet you. So we have a long way to go. Some of us, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> our journey during this season in this physical body, in short, doesn't last very long. And some of us who deserve to live in our earthly bodies will not be able to. Others who don't deserve it by different rules, they live on. But don't worry about that. Don't get upset. This is about you. My job is to help you, the little spirit, to be stronger, to have hope and encouragement, to not be afraid of death, to always keep your heart looking up, reaching up to that heavenly Father who loves you so much. He's waiting. He has the lights on. Now, he would prefer if you stayed here to do what you're supposed to do, but he understands that sometimes other people make decisions for you. All those little babies in the womb, somebody made a decision to terminate their life for whatever reasons, and then the other people assisted them. They didn't have a choice, and they even fight in the womb against Everything that's coming against him. But Pastor Deborah, she's a wonderful mama. I am sent into people's wombs spiritually. I lay my hands and I cuddle the little spirit. Even while it's going through death and murder and being killed in the womb. And I love on it. I have it look in my eyes. I dedicate it to this Lord God. And I lift it on out of the body. You don't think a loving father is going to let a little spirit, even in that case, suffer. His heart is too gentle, too loving. Pastor Deborah goes. And even while all the death is occurring, I'm right there 
with angels for the spirit. And we get that little spirit out. And we send it on its way. But that little spirit in there. And its little soul did not make that decision. So in our lives many people will make decisions that will affect us. Against our own will. And we can't stop that. But we can get our spirits ready. And not be afraid. And go on. Because we're coming back. There's going to be a new earth. All that death and evil and wickedness will be gone. And you'll be back. But when you get on up to heaven, what will you be? You'll be learning. You'll be taught. Your spirit may need healing. So there's a tree with some leaves on it. There's living water. You'll be cared for. You'll have a family. You will not be an orphan anymore. You'll be loved. And you will be in the presence and delight of this Heavenly Father. So I hope that one helps you. That was a long introduction for sure. Let's get started. Isaiah 61 verse 8. I may have to break this one up to another part. I've got a lot of good stories to tell you near the end. All right, first scripture, Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings, that's all humanity, the spirit, is to search it out. So by you coming here, you're searching. God's drawn you just like he did Neo in the movie, The Matrix. He didn't know he was in the matrix. And who was meeting him in there? Morpheus and Trinity. They were coming to him in the spirit. They were coming to him in his dreams. Over his computer. Some of you will have strange dreams when you get back. We'll be reaching out to you. Even when you get back in your body. And it's your job to be like Neo. To search and look. Have those questions that just you cannot find the answer to. His was, what is the matrix? And it was driving him, compelling him to move forward, to seek and to search. That's what the spirit is supposed to do. Sometimes the spirits, they are in trances. I have a great story up called The Voice and the Light. I think I made a video of it. It talks about how Pastor Deborah, in the spirit, will go to your spirit, even if it's in a trance, sort of asleep. I will visit you in your dreams of your spirit. I'll help wake you up, and we can talk. Great story. And then you can go back into your little trance or your sleep. Because that is also a way of escape and a way of safety. So that's okay. I know where you're at. Now, let's listen to another one. And continue on. I'm sorry. We're not going to read another scripture. I'm going to try to take my notes here. Okay. So in this part, verse 8, it says, And I, the Lord, your righteous and glorious deliverer. Because Isaiah 61 has been telling us, I'm coming to you. 
I'm bringing with me the Spirit of the Lord God. And it's going to do a lot of things to help you. Because you are in a mess. So go back and look at the other videos. And you don't have to have the Bible. If you watch the videos, you'll get it. It's, I'm a slow teacher. He says, I'm a judge. I'm a healer. I'm the very lamb of sacrifice. I'm your father. Yes, God, this God, not Allah. Allah says he has no children and he has no family. Must be a very lonely God. But this God that Pastor Deborah is in connection with has served since she was four. The God of all these videos. This God desires a family and children. And he desires to love them, raise them up, train them and teach them. Love and comfort them. I'm not too sure how much Allah and some of Buddha and Confucius and some of these other gods or ancestors, I'm not sure if they're very comforting or giving you any hope. They do give a lot of guidance. I'm not sure if it's good. but So that's the God bit of Isaiah 61. Now if you study out the different faiths, if you study Islam, they were a part of Abraham's. You know who they are? Ishmael's kids. They knew the God of Abraham. And the God of Abraham was the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. The God of creation. They had heard about him. And when his son, Christ Jesus, came, it wasn't until 400 or 600 years later that Muhammad has his vision with an angel and hears about this God. But it wasn't the God that Ishmael knew, the God of Abraham. It seemed to be a different God. And he gave a lot of instructions, a lot of words, told Muhammad how to live. And it was for the Arabs. And the people sort of along uh, northern Africa and into Africa. But it was four to six hundred years after this young man named Christ Jesus had come and died. That's a long time for this new prophet to show up. Anybody can be a prophet. It just means you hear from a spiritual being. And you speak for them. And that spiritual being could be lying to you. He could be deceiving you. Telling you that he's a god or an angel or an ancestor. And he could talk to you. Then you go back to the people who don't hear him. And you tell them what this being said. We see that all the time in the occult new age. We just saw that in the movie The Black Panther. But the Black Panther dude, he had to go drink some juice from some hallucinogenic flowers. 
get buried in some crystals, go off on a trip spiritually. His body never left the crystals. And meet with some black panthers who were hanging out in a tree. And one of them was his dead father. Now, is that not interesting? So, people think they meet with their dead ancestors. I'm not sure that's real true, because the spirit doesn't usually hang around down here. Now, there are spirits here, but they are not from the human race. I just listened to a young man. He was talking about all these things called demons. He says they're not these fallen angels, but they are the human spirits that God created between something called the watchers. They became the Nephilim. And the spirit was perverted. And they died in the flood, but their spirits are still here. I'm not sure about that. Because in the Christian Bible, it says there is one God, and he creates all spirits. And when a spirit is separated, and this silver cord, this, uh, the, the jaw of the human body, the cistern, is cut, broken, the spirit has to leave. cannot stay. Now, there are spirits who have no physical dirt body, and they can come and go all the time. So there's a lot to learn about that. But let's get back to Isaiah 61, verse 8. So we're reading that this God who's talking to us in verse 8, he is saying, I'm the righteous one of your ancestors, of your very beginning. And I will come to you, no matter where you are, and direct your work. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will open doors. I will close doors. Then I might open a window. I might close a window. I might put people in your life. Take people out of your life. Excuse me. Let me do that the other way. I might take people away from you. And bring people to you. I might tell you as you did Pastor Deborah. You're going to sit at home. For two years. And study. Also had another time of two years at home. I needed some healing, and I asked God from what? Oh, about forty years of your life, from every relationship, everything. I was in a time when God was completely healing my soul, so it could willingly walk to the cross, get on a cross, and allow itself to die. It was an evil, wicked thing. Its name was Jan. You'll read a lot about that in my story called It's Time, which is on the website. It was an evil thing. And Deborah, which was my first name, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, I had to study my name and to look it up. And I had to learn. It took me two years, two years. I had to learn how to become this new creature named Deborah. How to let Jan go. Oh, and then afterwards, Satan tried to get Jan resurrected because she had some wounds, some soul hurts, some soul ties to people. If he could get Jan back alive in the soul, then he had a doorway and an entrance into my life. I had to battle that. 
That's also in that story called It's Time. He said, I'm going to be the one directing your work. I'm going to direct you out of captivity and back into the path of light, he says. And then, just getting on the road, it's like get in your car, turn on the engine, but you have to step on the gas. Okay, we can do that. And then we go, okay, where are we going? He says, I'll be your GPS for you. I know the destination. I know where the roads are out, where they're flooded, where the bridges are down. You don't know that, but I do. I will direct you, he goes. And then to help you to renew, to redeem, to restore your ancient, long-forgotten work you're to do. The deeds I've decreed for you to do. Your purposes and intents. Why I created you to be my child. And put you here on planet earth. You have to rediscover all of that. And I set you, O spirit part of you, in a dirt body to be in this land, this new territory, for me. But you have to learn what you're to do. And you have to have the right attitude, the right thoughts to do it. I will direct your deeds, he said, because you got a lot to do. He said, I've got to direct you in one how to worship me in spirit and in truth. I have to direct you in how to be my spiritual offspring, my children. Made, recreated, redeemed, rebirthed in my eternal image. And after, you have to learn how to become like me. A God yourself, made in my image and after my likeness. Number three. I need to direct your work and deeds in renewing your spiritual heart to know me in spirit and in truth. You can't worship me till you really know who I am, who you are. Your spirit is free and you do it all in truth. And to become one with me, intimate, so I can work as one and partner with you. And work through you. If I want to. We see that a lot. Sometimes in the cult. A spirit will come in. You'll see that in the movie. Uh, the ghost. with Whoopi Goldberg, Goldberg. Patrick Swayze. She does seances sort of. And she will allow. What they would call dead ancestors. To come into her body. Speak through her. To speak through their family members. He's saying that is the relationship. I need to be free to move through you, in you, with you, to conduct the affairs of the kingdom on earth. Number four, I need to reordain you. All of my spiritual royal priest unto me. I need you to get there, but I can't ordain you yet. Till you learn what a royal priest does. Because you are there for me. And you speak on my behalf. 
to the world. You bring the world's sins to me, and through you, you handle my blood of my sacrifices. You intercede and pray on the behalf of others, because they're not there in their relationship with me yet. So I have to work and redirect your paths and your learning and your studying to do that. Five, to recrown you as a spiritual king of the kingdom of heaven. My shepherd from the kingdom of heaven, being able to move in the, the authority and dominion that I have given you, and to show my influence, the kingdom of God on earth, through signs and wonders. And we're learning about that in verse 8 when we get into uh, one of the scripture references that leads this. You're going to learn about how that works. I need to relight your spiritual candle to be a bright beacon of hope, love, and encouragement to all the world. My likeness. A shining light. A voice. Of me, he says. The word of God itself. I have to redirect you, teach you, and train you. I have to test you and try you. Your faith has to be tried. I will direct all your work to get you where I need you to be. The glorious, righteous one I've always desired and decreed and prophesied you would become spiritually. That's you guys out there. All of you. Even the little ones in the womb. The little children. I can tell you a story. This is when I was going to this revival years ago. I was on the prayer team. And we would lay hands on people. God would touch them. Well after that was over with. Most Friday nights we'd go back to the little area where the children were. I would get on my knees and ask a five-year-old child to pray for me. Because I knew God was coming through the children. We had stories of children hearing God, seeing God, angels. Yes, I saw lots of angels. We heard stories of children who would get touched, go home and pray for their Islamic parents who were having back problems or sickness. They would lay hands on him. The pastor of that children's church, his name was Pastor Van Lane. He believed that the children should have Holy Communion. They fixed it themselves. They were the ushers and the greeters. And they laid hands on each other in prayer time. And they would pray away the boo-boos and the sadness. God was moving through three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, ten-year-old, twelve-year-old children. Don't think God can't move through them. Use them. This one young boy named Hans, who I met when he was about, I don't know, a few years old. He was living in England with his satanic ritual abuse, great high priest, grandfather who was of the family of the Rothschilds. He came to me and wanted to come to America. I made a way for him. 
and uh, he got saved. He was probably about three or four at the time. And I have some boys. You'll read it in some stories. I call them my boys. They went and got him on an airplane. I brought him here. I taught him. He'd go to his little nursery school, his kindergarten. He'd pray for people. If you go and read the book, uh, I've worked with children all my ministry life, and even when I was a mental health counselor, and I had one of my own. There's a great story called The Super Game Boy, I think, about a young five-year-old who needed to believe in this God. So I prayed that God would make his Game Boy work without batteries, and it did. And he took it to school and showed all his friends. They all believed. Hans actually would go to daycares and schools, lay hands on people, lead people to the Lord. Now, he already had multiple personalities at the time. And he is still in that life, but he is saved. Sometimes what happens is the multiple personalities, and he was brought up under horrendous child abuse, pornography type of situation. And um, never lived a normal life. But I was always dealing with him. And his spirit was saved. But what happens, the other side is very powerful. And with constant, constant abuse, his little spirit would go into trances, sink down, and kind of hide. So it never really grew much. Once he got up, excuse me, got a little older. But when he dies, he'll be up there. Yes, he does work behind the scenes for me. Yes, he goes to meetings. And yes, he gets chosen children saved. And he takes many beatings. Did you know Hans was the creation of a young man named Isaac who's in heaven? And his mama, who was Isaac's daughter, Amanda, he was conceived in a petri dish. Mm -hmm. And then implanted in a young girl who had never had sex because Satan was trying to recreate the incarnation of Christ Jesus like it happened to him in the womb of Mary and this Hans was to be one of the antichrist that was to come but God got to him now God knew all this I didn't God got to him got him saved and that messed that all up but I've been dealing with children and people in strange lives all my life pretty much so I can talk about this God how he has to direct us and relight our candles he's got to help us to relearn and rediscover the law of agape love and you'll read about that in my story called I'll bear your burden as Jesus bore mine it's on the website I don't think there's a video of it yet great story that one's about precious precious young man named Gavin who had been a heroin addict and who got raped by Isaac (laughs) thank goodness Isaac's gone he was a bad one but he's in heaven with a steel rod by Isaac and it talks all about spiritual stuff it's a wonderful story and we have to relearn what our image and likeness is in this law of agape love He's got to teach us what our righteous judgment are. I spend a lot of time in the courtroom. 
pleading cases on behalf of people for and against. Sometimes I need judgment against people. God will bring their spirits up there, look at their spirit, see if it's how much darkness is in it, how much light's in it. Because remember, the spirit is affected by the spiritual world and can be serving Satan itself, be filled with all kind of darkness and demonic stuff, as well as the soul being hurt and wounded, and you combine them together and you have a mess. He has to reteach us that, redirect our work, our knowledge. He has to redirect our knowledge and understanding of authority, leadership, and dominion here on earth and how we're to do it. Because as we know, it is messed up out there. He has to redirect our work in studying his glory and the spirit of life and how words bring either life or death to us, blessings or curses. We have to learn about the tree of life and its fruit that it gives to us, eternal life. What is that? So he is into redirecting, he's telling you, our stuff. Seven. He has to also teach us about our inheritance and how it's been prepared for us since before the world was founded and what we need to do to grow up to legally obtain it receive it and use it properly here on planet earth a lot of redirecting a lot of directing our path uh, what we're to do what we're to believe in number eight he says i need to direct and i will direct your path your work for the ages to come you must have a new mind in your spirit you must have new thoughts and concepts and ideas. And you must think of in the future for the new earth. And you have to know a lot. So while you're here, you can be working for him. He can work through you. You have no fear. You can be encouraged. Number nine. He said, there's lots for me to do. I, the Lord. To help you, oh, Pastor Deborah, to help you find my path. There's a great uh, video blogs out there called Video Blogs, and it's talking, I have them in the video blog section, and it talks about the little one who finds himself on a road with this father. And they're walking and talking. And the Father's talking and teaching. That's how he wants us to be. Then if you want to learn more about him, go to story time. I haven't finished it yet, but we're up to what the throne is. And you'll talk. You'll learn about how he had to step out of the closet. Did you know he was hiding in there? Yep, in a closet of himself. Great stories. Go watch it. That's called story time. I'll try to excuse me. Link that uh, somehow and put it in the job, the discussion. He says, I need to help you down here. I've got to direct your path. A lot of darkness, smoke and fire. Wrong turns that you can get off. Ditches you can fall in. You could follow blind people and fall into the ditch. 
There are bears and lions that come come and steal you in the middle of the night. We see that. People walking and little children getting kidnapped in broad daylight. People breaking in your home taking you. A lot of stuff, he says, I need to direct you, which means teach you and guide you and lead you. We're very ignorant, he says. And when I rebirth you, you'll be just a baby. So as we look in the natural world, a baby first has to be loved and fed. He grows, he's taught, he learns to stretch his muscles, use his brain, go to school. My little granddaughter's just started school up in Pennsylvania with an online uh, school. It's a charter school called Agora. She's doing great. She stays at home. Got her little headset on, online doing Zoom. She's doing great. We have to learn about the flesh and our carnal nature. Boy, that's a mess. And our adversary. The flesh. The lust of the flesh. The lust of our body. And that spiritual enemy called Satan himself. And the Lord is telling us, just in these little words, I, the Lord, will direct your work to find me. You can't find him without him drawing you, wooing you. Did you know the place to the garden? Did you know how to come in your dreams? The cult people, they move in the spirit. Do they see it? No. This place stays hidden behind a cloak, behind a veil. You can't get here unless it's open for you. I will lead you, he says, and I will guide you into all truth. For it is only the truth that you find and understand and believe in and incorporate and take in and take all the old thoughts out now that becomes your new thoughts your new mind or your spirit that will set you free of being a child being connected to all the whims and the winds and war and the waves of the soul because boy it gets rocky out here we all know that of your ignorance, of your slavery to the flesh and its insatiable lust and from the pains of one's physical body. He says, I have to help you. I will direct your work in truth. So let's hear about some ancient words about this guiding, this leading and directing that this Lord will do for us, for you. In truth. Psalms 11.7 For the righteous Lord, it says, loves righteousness. That means what is right. What is truth. His glorious and loving countenance. His face. His heart. He looks upon the upright. When you're doing right, you're following him. You're letting him direct you. You're going on the right path. Because, yeah, there you go. That's my kid. Well done. Keep going. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Sometimes when we get on the off on the wrong path, he has to turn away from us. 
because we get in too much darkness and sin and ick. He has to turn from us. So when you pray, he doesn't, he can't hear you. Because his nature is, I can't look on that stuff. He sometimes takes a deep breath, maybe. And he might send Pastor Deborah. Because I'm not quite at his level yet. Maybe one day. And he goes, those who have had Isaiah 61 applied to them. He's watching. He's helping and directing. All of humanity. Saw him dancing and watching. Job 36.7 How excellent and glorious is your loving kindness. Oh God, thank you for directing me. Each time that God directed me, I usually didn't like it. He would tell me to do things I didn't want to do. I didn't understand. Some of my stories, are, I was going to call this young girl and invite her. I knew she was a child of a Satanist. Take her to church. He says, no, don't you pick up that phone. But why? Don't pick up the phone to call. Okay. I had to say to myself, my flesh wanted to do it. I know God is watching out for me. He loves me. He's trying to protect me and lead me and guide me in truth. I don't know what the future is. Okay. I had to keep reminding myself all the time. Another time he tells me, you can't, when you go to that church, you're not to speak to anybody. You're not to do any ministry. You're just to watch. For me, that's very hard. I love to talk, can you tell? I had to do that. Stay at home for two years. What am I going to do? Write. Who am I going to talk to? The squirrels, the trees. Sometimes my soul wanted to help people. And I couldn't. Other times he'd say, No, you can't go back to that church. Too much evil there. Okay, uh, I could. I sort of saw that coming, but it was cold turkey. God does me cold turkey. Boom, the door is shut. I am bang on that door. Let open it up, open it up. He ain't going to open it for me. Because I had to learn that he shut the door. He was directing me. Tell you another story. I think this one might be up. It's called the pew story. I don't think I got it up yet. It was about how I went to church one day. And um, let me see if I can read it for you. Be right back. It's about how God directs. Before I get to this story called the Pew story, I want to read um, a couple more scriptures to you. And then we'll do that. And we'll finish this one up before we start. Another section, excuse me. Job 36, 7. How excellent is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put, should put their trust in you and be under the shadow of your wings. First Peter three twelve. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So I was learning God needed to direct me. 
I learned very early. And when it happens, and you don't know what's going on and who's behind it, and you have a choice of accepting it, knowing who's behind it, or being angry. I want to read you my story. And then we'll close this one up and start part eight of this same directing. Because we hadn't even got into the deep uh, scriptures of it yet. But we will. The Pew story. This story is about fasting. The Lord's way. Not man's way according to Isaiah 58, 1 through 14. Verse 1. Cry aloud, Isaiah. Spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. And show my saved people their spiritual transgressions. And the house of Jacob their sins. I was getting ready to be shown something. But I thought we don't sin anymore. Is how most believers think. Aren't they all washed away because of the cross? Yes. But some part of us can still sin. And put a soul tie or a spiritual tie. On our spirit, in our soul, that puts up resistance. We're in bondage and in slavery. And that's not what God set us free for. So keep listening. Verse 2. Yet they seek me, he says, the Most High God, daily. And delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness... And forsook not the ordinances of their God. How many nations with a religion or a faith as their state government are attempting to do this? There's a lot. They ask of me, Isaiah, the ordinances of justice. How do we punish the evildoers? How do we live righteously? What is a righteous nation? What are the laws we need to have? They take spiritual delight in approaching to me. They're, they go to the mosques, the sanctuary, the temples. They come in prayer. They, they follow the rituals. Verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted? They say. We, we did Ramadan. We didn't eat pigs. We gave up this during Lent. We did what you said, what our leaders told us to do. And you didn't see us? What is going on here? We did all this work to please you. We followed the rules that we were told. Wherefore, wherefore have we afflicted our own soul? We did Lent. We fasted food and stuff for the whole month of January. We fast when we get to, when we need a breakthrough. We give up a meal. And we need to hear your voice. And you need to answer us in our prayers. Or sometimes we'll give up the world and go into monasteries. Become a nun or a priest. And we say we give up sex. 
but a lot of them don't. Did you know that when these early Christians, Catholics, took the vow of silence, that is how, not braille, but talking with your hands, you know, okay, hand-signal, came about. Mm -hmm. So they could talk to each other through their hands, but their mouths wasn't moving. But their brains were still working, but they didn't see the connection. They thought if they just kept their mouth shut, that they wouldn't sin and they'd be holy. But they were thinking, talking with their hands. Okay, That's how that came about. Uh, we live a fasted life. So you will do more miracles and healing, or maybe you'll heal us. And you, God, take, you don't have any knowledge of all this that we do for you and the, or that we're doing. Behold, in the day of you, of your fast, he says, you find pleasure in doing it. And you exact all your labors. Look what I did for you. Look how I gave up stuff for you. Look how I am following the ritual laws. How I and being so good and righteous. You got the attitude there? Got the thoughts? Look, God, what I did for you. I fasted, gave up stuff to find out what you are going to be doing this year. Went on a 30-day fast. A lot of people do that in the month of January because they don't hear from God. They don't know what His work is. I think he's going to do something in the next year, trying to find out what's going on. So they fast. Or to get more healing or to get a breakthrough, I need an answer to something I'm working on. I need more money, more miracles. Verse 4, Behold, he says, You fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness, he says. You shall not fast as you do this day. So to make your spiritual prayers and petitions and your voice to be heard on high, he's looking at why you are fasting. He's looking at your what the end result will be. Why are you doing this? Verse 5. It is your way of fasting as you do such a fast, that I, the Lord Most High God, is this the one I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it fasting to bow your head as a bulrush? Humble yourself? And to spread sackcloth and ashes under you? Will you call this a fast? An acceptable day to the Lord. Is that what you call it? You human spirit? Your soul? Is that what you call it? Oh yes sir. That's what we do. Isn't this what you told us to do through Moses? Aren't we doing it right? Good questions to ask. When he starts challenging you. What happened if you had a dream and he said. I don't want you to go to the mosque today. I want you to stay at home and pray. 
Did you know I had an interaction years ago with one of the great princesses of Saudi Arabia? Can't even remember his name. Got him saved in his dreams. Then he asked me he had a private jet, as most of them do. What about his praying five times a day? I said, you can still go on your little rug on your airplane and go pray five times a day. You just won't be praying to Allah. You'll be praying to this God that you found, this God of love, who you are now his spiritual child. So nobody would know that he wasn't going to his rug and praying to Allah. Only Allah and other unsafe human spirits would know. There's all sorts of ways we can do this, believe me. Verse 6. No, you are not doing it the way I want you to, God says. This is not the fast that I, the Lord, have chosen. Confusion, oh gosh, the word says this, our traditions are this, our rabbis say this, our imam, what is going on here? We got it wrong? And he says, yeah, you do. Here is the fast I want you, verse 6, to spiritually loose the spiritual bands of wickedness off of yourself. That don't sound like giving up food or sex or taking a vow of chastity and poverty. Are those bands of wickedness? And to break and loose these bounds, these chains of wickedness off of others. To undo the heavy burdens that they carry that you and these others have to carry. What does this have to do with food and uh, trying to get a breakthrough from you? And then he says to let the spiritually oppressed go spiritually free. And that you break every yoke. This don't sound like giving up food to me. But maybe I was, somebody is yoked to some food. Or maybe you give up movies or Netflix. I hope you give up Netflix and cancel your thing. There's some stuff going on. You need to cancel that one. Cancel your subscription. And we're going to have to deal with the culture of France. And I'm going to have to talk to Macron and these leaders about what they're allowing to come out of France as a representative of the culture of France to the world. And I hope some of our imams rise up. It dealt with a Muslim young girl coming into such horrendous sexual exploitation I hope you Muslims rise up against that and you speak out against whoever the directors were and whoever created this story and you speak to Macron don't do it violently but you speak and those of you that had the Netflix subscription cancel it if you love little children, little girls. That was my little two cents of the world stuff. But break these yokes off of the nations. We need to straighten out France. 
I'm going to speak to my crone in his dreams. He's got some issues that's going on in his country. Oh, it's not his country. It's that he's not dealing with. Did you know, I just saw on YouTube, that the mayor of London wasn't even fixing the London Bridge that's been blocked off for 18 months. So, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson had to step up and they got to take it over. What is going on with our leaders? And God is trying to tell us, you got some issues. We need to loose you from them. You need to fast off of them. They are spiritual bands of wickedness, he says. They put heavy burdens on you and other people that they have to carry. They are spiritually oppressed, he says. They're not free. You're to get free and then help others. In becoming spiritually free, I had to become. God was directing me in ways of truth. In becoming spiritually free of man's denominations. Yes, man created the different denominations. Do a study on them. How each one got formed. And do you know how most of them got formed? From Paul. Paul had the Jewish format of church. Men here. Women out here. Men could preach and go to school. Women couldn't. Paul took that pattern that he knew and worked well for him when he was a Jewish leader and he applied it to what the Christian church. But if you listen to Christ Jesus, he tells us when you get born again, re-spiritually re saved, you are not a male or a female. There are no religions, no denominations. You are a pure, non-gender spirit like the angels. So where does that fit in? Every time I hear the word male or female, women can't do this, only men can be preachers, denominations, I go back to Paul. He does have it in Galatians. He talks about, as long as you think like this, in division, which is a denomination, and you're envious of other people, and you're just looking at the skin color, the race, the sex, you are still a baby. And you have not grown up spiritually to have the mind of Christ. We have men's ministries and women's ministries. Babies. We have denominations, divisions, envy. Some of our churches split over one little thing. Are we going to baptize in just the name of Jesus Christ? Or in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Envy, jealousy, division. Babies. Up here. Pastor Deborah had to learn that. So he said, in becoming Pastor Deborah, and becoming spiritually free, I had to have a lot of yokes taken off of me, for I was under bands of wickedness, yoked and with burdens I had to carry, like go to church every Sunday. That was a burden I was carrying. So he said, I was in slavery, and it wasn't broken spiritually, emotionally, mentally, off of me yet I was not loosed I wasn't fasted off of a lot of things that of course I didn't know I was even bonded to I was chained to yoked to or even oppressed by or having this band of wickedness on me according to the most high God and of course his opinion is the only one that counted. Not mine. 
not a pastor's, not a preacher, no opinion but the Holy Father himself. So this story goes on well on one of the beautiful resurrection mornings. You know I don't say Easter. Easter is from a pagan religion called Estar. Resurrection is what it was called, not Easter. So I had to learn all about Easter versus resurrection. All right. So one more uh, one year when it was resurrection day in church morning at about 10 minutes before the start of the 11 a.m. church service, I went to my usual assigned pew to sit in my usual place on the pew. As a part of the church's revival's personal ministry team, I was required to sit on a designated pew in the balcony. So if any member of the team was needed during the service, the ushers would know where we were so they could get our attention. You know, they'd wave at us or they'd come up and tap us on the shoulder immediately for personal ministry. And that happened to me a lot. It happened to all of us. And we always had to, we would go and leave the service and attend to people who were having problems. So I went to my assigned pew that morning of which I'd been sitting in for four years. And guess what? There were two ladies and a child sitting right on my spot on the pew. Ooh, did I get angry and mad. How dare they sit on my spot on the pew? That wasn't right. I immediately went to the usher and asked what happened because my assigned seat for personal ministry was taken. How dare that happen? Can you hear the wickedness and the chains and the ick going on up here? He said that the ministry team's coordinator told him to put the ladies there. Oh, what my own coordinator, spiritual authority and leader told the usher to put these something was up was I in trouble what was going on I didn't know so I said okay with an attitude at this time I did not know how to respond was this Satan doing this through my ministry team's coordinator to get me offended That was always the goal of Satan. Get me offended. Get me mad and angry. Well, it was working so far. Or was this God, the Most High, doing this for my and his spiritual purpose? Was he directing me? And I didn't even know it. I didn't know at the time. So I went to another building that was for overflow and went on with resurrection services. I did sit on the personal ministry team's pew in that building. But it wasn't in the main sanctuary. In that spot of honor and glory. This was not even a nice pew to sit on. Uncomfortable. I prayed to God the Most High to help me. To know the spiritual truth. Of what 
of this matter, this mystery. Was this a spiritual attack from Satan, or was this from him? Well, a day went by. No word from God about the pew. Two days went by. No answer from God. But on the third day, I got my answer. It came in the mail. See, some people think that God has to talk to you through he was fixing to. I had received a newsletter from the evangelist of the revival who was holding this church was holding in their for their services. And he had written down words from the Lord he had received for himself and for all the church of Christ. He stated in his letter, which I still have somewhere in all my piles of stuff, that God the Most High had called him to live a life of being a pilgrim on earth. He had been a missionary in many other countries and to be unattached to everything and everyone except him. Now, he was married had two children. He had a ministry with a lot of staff. He built a big home. He was coming to the revival. He was going on like five years. Okay. The following are the exact words from the newsletter that the Most High God used to answer my prayer to him about who was responsible for the putting of the two ladies and a child on my seat on the personal ministry team pew on resurrection morning this evangelist has now gone on to be with the Lord and is in heaven and I know he will not mind if I use his exact words of his answer from the most high God to help you spiritually understand what the nature of God directing you, how you fast with God and for God, and how God looks at fasting, and how he speaks, and is speaking to us out of the word that we don't understand. And in these scriptures, is it food and stuff like that? So I didn't know. So because of this evangelist restlessness, in his own spirit, I received my answer. Live unsettled. Don't sink too deep into the soil of this earth. Keep your head up and your feet moving. Stay alert. Be sober. I'm coming. The day of my return is at hand. Lot about that. But God's never left. He's always here. But he can come with big powerful waves of glory and ministry and revival before the big one comes. Loose yourself of any ties that bind. And if you don't loose yourself, I will do it for you. That was my answer. So he, God himself, helped me to be loosed, fasted off of the oppression of this heavy spiritual burden, this bondage, this weight of me 
with the pew that I was to sit on for the personal ministry team on Sunday mornings that I didn't even know I had on me. But he did. And he could see them. And he could see what it was doing to me. He had to direct me. He had to direct me in truth. He was going to close this door. And I had to understand why. I was then told through this letter. From the evangelist. From the words of God himself. That he wanted me to live freely. Unattached. Unbound. By yokes. Untied. Unweighted. By heavy burdens of oppression. I had to be loosed from everything and everyone so that he could move me and move through me as he wanted to, as he also wanted to move through and with the evangelist wherever he wanted us to go with him and for him. Both of us were told to keep our feet moving. Don't get settled down. And to follow his pillar of fire and his cloud of glory as they moved. That's a story from the Old Testament. When they came out of Egypt, the pillar of fire and the cloud directed them where to go, when to stop, and when. I immediately knew this was my answer. It was God himself who had arranged for the ladies to sit on my pew. See, I'm calling it my pew. And to sit on the personal ministry team's pew on resurrection morning to spiritually direct me to him for an answer, to guide me to him. To loose me and help me to fast off and unfasten me from the spiritual invisible bonds, the ties, the yokes, the burdens of this pew. I didn't know they were there. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. I had no idea. I was spiritually bound, tied, oppressed with heavy burden to a church pew. It's just a pew, a seat. But he could see what I couldn't. He was directing me in the work I was to do. He was directing me in truth. But you have to be asking him. And then keep listening and you'll learn what I did. I could not see the fetters or change in the spirit. But I never even considered this. Or looked for them. I didn't know. Ignorance. Ignorance. I'm on a path. He could see what was happening in here. And to my spirit. He had plans for me and him. And he was beginning to loosen me. And set me free. And I thought and believed. I was just being obedient. To my personal ministry team's coordinator. And the church's authorities. As a member of the personal ministry team. It was also called the deliverance team. By sitting on the team's assigned pew. 
every revival service, every conference, every regular church service. That was my place. I was supposed to sit there every time I came to church. That was the rules. I was a law-abiding member. I did what I was told. But God the Most High told me through the evangelist newsletter, you can get your answers in the strangest places. I'll have to tell you another story about asking a question about how he changed the dead physical body of Jesus into the glorious righteous body in the tomb. It was through a science show. That's another story. But you get your answers. God knows what you're doing. He'll answer you if you're looking. So I had become bound, oppressed, unmovable, tied, burdened with a heavy weight by the pew, and had to be spiritually loosed, fasted off of, set free of, unbound, untied. If it and everything that I was bound to in order to do his spiritual ministry for him in the spirit and in the natural to reach precious spiritual children of the kingdom of darkness. I had to be loosed. I didn't even know I was bound. The Most High God also told me that day I could sit on the personal ministry's deliverance pew on revival nights but never again on Sunday mornings or any other regular church service cold turkey cut off this is Pastor Deborah and God he's directing me and sometimes it's you're done I would have to go to another building and sit in the overflow and watch the Sunday morning service on a TV large screen. So I had my answer. It was God himself. I knew if he was behind this, then there was no reason to argue with him or disobey him. Because he saw things I didn't. And things he knew he couldn't tell me yet. And was trying to get me where he spiritually needed me to be. Free. So I began doing just what he had instructed and directed me to do about the pew. And his spiritual plans for me to be free fasted off. All wickedness, loosed from heavy burdens, had begun. Remember, I don't see what he sees. I don't know what he knows. But if he needs, he will work with you. He will direct you. That's what verse 8 is telling us. He will direct us in our work, in truth. So he sees, he's watching, he's looking, he's trying to get, he was trying to get Pastor Deborah in a certain place. Of course, I had no idea where I was going, 
for I was going without the security of an assigned seat, a place, a pew to be sitting on. Going out with only God the Most High spiritually leading, directing. But I was going, obeying, traveling, being loosed from and fasted off of unseen burdens and getting free, unbound, unfettered, unchained, untied from the unknown chains to a church pew. I am sure that there was much more to this spiritually, but he didn't tell me, and I didn't ask. I just obeyed. During this time, I sat in the overflow building. People began to notice I was not in my spiritually assigned pew on Sunday mornings anymore, and therefore they assumed I must be backslidden. Something, excuse me, was wrong with me. Not on fire for the Lord anymore. Not going after God anymore. Because I was not seen on the personal ministries team's assigned pew on Sundays anymore. My brothers and sisters on the team began to wonder about me and my walk with God. But no one called me, or talked with me, or asked me what was going on with me. Yet all the time, I was just over in another building, on the campus attending the Sunday morning church, getting the same service they were, and worshiping and praising, and being taught as they were, at least I hope they were, They just did not see me, but God did, and he was pleased. I met wonderful people in the overflow building during this time, and I was just as happy as ever. I was becoming a free, unburdened, unloosed pilgrim, a traveler following the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual leading, directing, guiding of the Most High God. And that is what fasting according to the Most High God and His directing looks like. So, we're going to end this portion, part 7, I haven't even got to the other. How many of you got a pew story? And there is something in your life that you need to be fasted off of. His way. Not the way that we're taught. Not food, but it could be. How many of you need to change your emotions? And maybe you're tied to anger or hate or revenge. Or maybe honor. Or control. Or even money. And you are bound to these things. And they make you wicked. And they have got you tied up and bound up. And you don't even know it. If you would like to be free. From something. God will direct your path. He will tell you, show you, maybe in a dream. 
or maybe in your soul what you need to be loose from. He is the God of deliverance and healing. He needs you to be free spiritually and in your soul. So as he is directing us here in Isaiah 61 verse 8. In truth, if you would like to be loosed like Pastor Deborah was of something. Oh, I see many of you got your heads bowed. I, sweetie, it's okay. I see the anger rising up. You know there's something there. I see the tears you've tried to get free and you can't. Well, Pastor Deborah walked this walk so she knows. And let's, I'll help you. Father, you've brought them here to do a work that only you can do. You have directed them in truth. You have shown them through Pastor Deborah's life bonds and chains and fetters that they know not of that are there. Some do. Some have tried. They recognize the anger, the emotions, the hate, the jealousy, the lust-filled heart for power and control. Some of them know what they need to be loosed from. Some of it is food, Father. We know that. But, Father, whatever it is that you need them to be loose from, set free from, fasted off of, you're after their hearts, their thoughts, their minds, their concepts, their ideas. And, Father, we need to loose the Spirit and do a Hebrews 4.12 on it to be free and loosed from the burdens of their soul. Father, do that one first. Take your sword of the Spirit, this story, and cut that spirit off. Do a spiritual circumcision on the soul and set the little spirit free. Come out, come out, little one, out of your cocoon. Come out, there you go. Now, Father, cut the soul ties. Begin cutting all the ties and the burdens and the fetters of the spirit that are still there, hanging on to the soul. Cut them off, as you did with Pastor Deborah. Begin healing the little spirit. Let them see that you love that part of them. And there's hope for it. Father, as the soul is experiencing being cut free. And losing this slave. This servant. Father. Let the soul know. Its days are shortened. That it's an evil wicked thing. And it will have to pass away. And it will have to bow its knee. As a helpmate. To the spirit. The bullying will have to stop. To the, against the spirit. The soul will have to stop. The human trafficking of the spirit. The lying. The cheating. The greed. The lust. And if it can't. Which it won't. It will surely die. Father, free the little spirit as you freed Pastor Deborah from the pew. And let them know that you, as in Isaiah 61, are directing their work, their deeds, their actions in truth. And this is a part of the Spirit of the Lord in Isaiah 61, setting these captives free. We thank you, Father, for your love of the Spirit. Just as you love Pastor Deborah, so many others. 
Let it be done according to your work. Amen. Now all of you go back and watch it. This is part 7. I'll do part 8. It's taken me a while to get through it. Sometimes God deviates from where I'm going to go. But we're not finished yet with verse 8. Especially this part of directing our work. He's having me tell you many of my stories so you will understand what this looks like. Many pastors don't like to tell their stories. They want you to think that they are, they got no problems, no issues, they're all right, and you can't touch them. Pastor Deborah doesn't do that. She was always writing down what happened to her, knowing that they would be used later, and this is one of them the pew story I have many other stories that will be given to you in the next portion hopefully as well as the word but for right now enjoy this day of fasting from something that only God knows you need to be set free of and this is a part of Isaiah 61 and how he directs our paths in truth love always and forever Pastor Deborah and I'll see you again on part 8 of Isaiah 61 verse 8 the global teleministry ministry of Pastor Deborah a global teaching ministry see you then love bye everybody get home safe the angels will help you you guys return no problem and yes I'm going to talk to Macron And I'm going to speak to the producers. And I'm going to speak to Netflix. You guys do your part. You don't have to be violent. Just cancel your subscriptions. Pray for the little girls. Islam. You guys in Islam. It showed your religion. It talked about you. And your oppressiveness. To this little girl. And she went out into the world as you'll see and my god it was horrible they call it child sexual exploitation child pornography child for the child predators rise up Islam and you guys deal with the people there in France that did it you know who the directors were we're all going to pray for the parents of these children who are greedy for money And are selling their children. Trafficking them for money and glory and fame. From France. Not only the girls that made the movie. But they had auditions with six to seven hundred little girls. Guess who brought them? Their parents. We got a problem in France. Got a problem with the producers. We got a problem with people that watch it. People here in America are speaking up on YouTube. Netflix is suffering. And if anybody is connected with Netflix and has shows or is producing and is partnering and receiving money from them, you are just as guilty as the ones who produced it. And you are connected and bound by evil and wickedness and you are an explicit supporter of child porn, children's sexuality, exploiting children and you are a trafficker 
and you are a part of a system that is selling children and sex to others. You're just as guilty. Don't matter who you are. A former president and his wife. A former Duke and Duchess of England. Doesn't matter what actor you are. If you're a video person, you cancel and you let Netflix know you won't tolerate that. You're not a part of that. But if you are a part of Netflix and you're a producer, a creator, and you, you're just as guilty. We're going to have to deal with you too. That's my little two cents for today. Even the American Justice Department's looking at this one. There's laws about this. Macron, you better look into it. And you better find out. And you better put some charges. And you had better do some things against this. They say it's just the culture of France. Is that what you want it to be known for? Child exploitation? Selling of sex to pedophiles? Is that what you want your country to be known as? What do you think the EU is going to think about that? And all of these wise ministers. That you, that is the culture of France. So we're just to throw up our hands and let it happen. France, you need to loose yourself from this kind of stuff. This is wickedness and evilness. The little girls are trapped. They may not even know what they're doing, but they do. So this is my little two cents of how God will direct you, lead you out of wickedness and into righteousness and be in an upright country and nation. Didn't mean to do that, but sometimes some people need to say a few words. Hope you come back again. Remember, we're not going to get mad at. If you go and watch my audiobooks, you will learn what a retrobate mind does. And this is what it is a mind that lusts after greed and money and will use young children to sell sex to make money. It's right before us, it's a global international thing. Mm-hmm. And God is, I'm sure Allah is not happy with it. I'm sure God of Israel is not happy with it. I'm sure the Pope is not happy with it. I'm sure Buddha and Confucius are not happy with it. Rise up, people. Speak out. See what's happening. Loose yourself from it and help these young girls. In France, you got a problem. Love everybody. See you next time. Isaiah 61, verse 8, part 8. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today. 
and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again. Watch another one. And we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments. And if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at Agape Love is here dot org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you and come again to another video of Agape Love Love is Here Ministry, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.